Welcome to the Modern Jewish Girl Podcast. I'm Jenna, lawyer by training, writer and teacher by choice. Originally from New York, I am a proud wife and mother living in the holy city of Jerusalem. Join me as we delve into the Holy Torah's teachings and apply them to our lives. I keep it short and sweet, but always deep. Welcome. coming up, I really wanted to delve a little bit deeper into the holiday. And specifically, I want to speak about the miracle of the Hanukkah candles, the, the jug of oil that illuminated the candles on the menorah and the temple for eight days when they should have lasted for one, and what this light, the miracle of this light really represents. And I'm basing my Torah today on the Nesiva Shalom. The Nesiva Shalom was Reb Shalom Noach Berezovsky. He lived prior to, during, and after World War II. He was the son of a Rebbe, a Hasidic Rebbe, who wrote the most beautiful Divrei Torah, words of Torah, which have been translated and expanded into English in a series known as Gems from the Nesivo Shalom. So I'll be working off of that today, weaving together a couple ideas that really resonated with me. Chazal, our sages tell us that the Greek exile darkened the eyes of Israel, of the Jewish people, through their edicts. For they would say to the Jews, inscribe on a bull's horn that you have no portion with the God of Israel. What were the Greeks doing? The Greeks wanted to sever the Jews' connection to Hashem because they understood that it was our connection with God that is our real source of strength and protection as a people. So how did they go about this? One major way was that they banned three mitzvot, Shabbos, Rosh Kodesh, which is the sanctification of the Hebrew month, the new Hebrew month, and Bris Milah, the Brit. And why these three mitzvot? So there's many, many answers to this, but I'm going to share two different ideas about it. One is that these mitzvot reflect two main components of Amuna of faith, belief in Hashem and belief in the special relationship that Hashem has with the Jewish people. In Shabbos and Brit Milah, this is pretty self-explanatory. These are mitzvot that are specifically for the Jewish people. The bris is our covenant with Hashem that a man undertakes. And Shabbos was a gift that Hashem gave specifically to the Jewish people. And I remember when I was on campus at Penn, I had a friend who was converting. And it because she wasn't yet officially Jewish, she actually wasn't even allowed, you're not allowed to keep Shabbos fully. So she would have to do some act that would that would violate Shabbos, which is really interesting. So Shabbos and Brit Milah are mitzvah for the Jewish people. And Rosh Chodesh, the sanctification of the new month, which goes by the Hebrew calendar. And we know that the Hebrew calendar, it's both solar and lunar. But when we refer to Rosh Chodesh, it goes with the cycle of the moon. And the Jewish people are compared to the moon, which undergoes diminishment followed by renewal, right? The moon gets smaller and then it gets bigger, etc. And it's so interesting because... The Nesiv Shalom says, we believe in the eternal nature of Israel, of the Jewish people, which at times seems on the brink of despair, but will in the future merit a complete renewal. So it's very interesting how this mitzvah of Rosh Chodesh ties into belief. Basically, we believe that we, we believe in Hashem's promise that the Jewish people are eternal. And I was struck by the irony when I was preparing this podcast that the Slanomer dynasty, the Nesivo Shalom, whose Torah I'm, I'm speaking about, 
the ideas I'm sharing, he came from Slanomer Hasidus. And the Slanomer Hasidus was virtually wiped out in the Holocaust. And, and the Slanomer Rebbe, he attempted to revive it in Jerusalem during and after the war years. He had a yeshiva, and then he published Torah thoughts that were passed down through the generations in Slanomer. And this was comprised mostly in his series, the Nesibo Shalom, for which he's known today. So this was a Hasidus that was almost completely diminished or wiped out. And now we're seeing a complete revival of this Hasidus through the Nesibo Shalom, which has become wildly popular, which we're learning right now here in the year 2021. It's, it's incredible. So another reason that the Greeks targeted these specific mitzvot was that they are gateways to our service of Hashem. And the Greeks were trying to control these gateways. So Shabbos is the gateway to the coming week. It's the source of blessing for the week ahead. Rosh Chodesh is the gateway to the coming month. It's the source of blessing for the month ahead. And Brit Milah, the Zohar, the Kabbalistic text says, is the gateway to the physical body. It's very interesting, this idea. So the miracle of the menorah oil burning for eight days, which is really the crux of Hanukkah. It's the miracle that, that created Hanukkah as a holiday. It really speaks directly to the Greeks' attempted oppression to sever our connection with Hashem. And this is because, number one, the menorah lights are a testimony to all humankind that the divine presence rests among Israel. And I think this idea is so beautiful when you think about the fact that it's, it's part of the mitzvah of lighting the menorah is to publicize the mitzvah. If you drive around a Jewish community after sunset or after nightfall during Hanukkah, you'll see tons of menorahs. In every home, you'll see the menorah by the window or even outside. Here in Jerusalem, we'll walk around on Hanukkah night. It's so beautiful. People have special, um, I don't even know how to describe them, like little outdoor enclosed cases where they light their menorah completely outside their home, almost on the sidewalk, to completely publicize this mitzvah that Hashem rests with the Jewish people, Hashem's with the Jewish people. And number two, the light of the menorah assures the Jewish people that Hashem is always with us, even in our darkest and lowest periods. And the Zohar, again, the Kabbalistic text, when he was describing the Babylonian exile, he, he basically said, any place to which the Jewish people were exiled, the divine presence enters there into exile with them. So we, and I, I think this is so beautiful that we light the menorah at the time of year when the nights are the longest on the entire calendar. And I don't think this is a coincidence <laughs> because the message is the, the lights of the menorah lighting up the dark, long nights say it all. The light in the darkness is the fact that we always have our connection to Hashem. It's eternal. Hashem is always with us no matter what happens. And I couldn't help but make the connection to the recent Parsha, Parsha's Vayetze, when Jacob fled Israel and went into exile, basically to run away from his brother Esav, who wanted to kill him because he, he took the birthright blessing. He took the, the blessing of the firstborn. And while Jacob's fleeing, it becomes it's becoming night. And he lays down to sleep and he dreams of a ladder that's rooted in the ground and extends up to the heavens. And I heard a beautiful idea a few beautiful ideas about this from Esther Ween, who gives an amazing Parsha class in the Five Towns, but who is also on, on the podcast circuit. You can look her up, Esther Ween. And 
she speaks about how, first of all, the, the fact that he had this dream when it was becoming night is symbolism for he's entering exile. He was leaving the lands of Israel and going outside of the lands of Israel. He's And as a whole, as a Jewish people, it was a message for us about when we enter exile, when we enter periods of darkness. And the imagery of this ladder rooted in the grounds but extending to the heavens is a, is a message that wherever we go, we're always connected to Hashem. So every Jew has a portion in the God of Israel, a connection to Hashem. And Hashem accepts every Jew. No matter how far we've fallen, we still have a portion with the God of Israel. This is what the lights of the menorah are coming to tell us. The Rebbe of Kabrin, Zatzal, was adamant in saying that if a Jew felt he could not stand before Hashem and pour out his heart to him, even if he committed the most grievous transgression in the Torah, such a person has not even begun to understand the most basic notions of Judaism. And the point is that, again, Hashem accepts every Jew. It doesn't matter how far we've fallen. We always have a portion in the God of Israel. Over the years, I've had people ask me, you know, I'm technically, I'm, I was born Jewish, but I'm not really practicing in any way. Am I, am I really still Jewish? Or, and the answer is, of course, yes, of course. And that person has much of a right to speak to Hashem as the person who is the most devout religious person. And on the other hand, there are people who are Jewish and they convert out to other religions. And even there, according to Judaism, they're 100% still Jewish. And they still have their portion in the God of Israel. It's amazing. There was a debate between Rav Shammai and Rav Hillel about the order of lighting the, the Hanukkah candles. And Rav Shammai said that we should light eight on the first night and then decrease each night one candle. And then there was Rav Hillel who said that we light one more light each night, building up to the eight lights. And of course, this is the opinion that we follow. And there's many deep ideas behind it. But some ideas that relate to what we're talking about is it has to do with the idea of slowly increasing our good deeds in the world and then building our amuna, building our faith in God. And this happens slowly, step by step. So through increasing our good deeds, through increasing our amuna, building our amuna, these things connect us even more to Hashem and, and draw his light into the world, his divine light and protection into the world even more. I'm currently reading a really awesome book. It's called The Sisters of Auschwitz by Roxanne von Ipperen. She is a Dutch writer and lawyer. And about 10 years ago, her and her husband bought a house. And it was in the countryside east of Amsterdam. And when they began to do renovations on the house, they started discovering secret doors and compartments, double walls, papers from the resistance during World War II. And it became very clear that this house had much more history than they had realized. And this sent her on a quest, a six-year quest of research, where she basically uncovered the story of what had happened there during World War II. And the house was known as the High Nest. It's still called the High Nest. And it was a safe house for Jews during World War II that was essentially run by two Jewish sisters. So I'm in the middle of the book now. It's amazing. But just reading about how the Jews were hunted like animals and separated from their kids, it's so gut-wrenching. 
and then reading this in the comfort of my home in Jerusalem, where I'm free to practice as a Jew and study Torah. And then I'm going to, God willing, be lighting the candles this Hanukkah. Hashem is with us. Hashem is with us. Our bond with him is eternal. And we have to know this on a personal level and a national level. In sum, the miracle of the menorah lights demonstrates physically that light, our connection to Hashem, prevails and did prevail over the Greeks' attempts to darken our eyes and extinguish this connection. The divine light, the crucial factor for maintaining the Jewish people's existence, continues to shine. And to this day, the Hanukkah lights reflect this divine illumination and convey to Israel, to the Jewish people, continued strength and encouragement, which enables us to endure this final and long exile. Wishing you a Chag Sameach, a happy Hanukkah. Enjoy. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, give us a rating, a review, and of course, share with your family and friends. Be blessed.